Welcome to A Texan's View of the World with your host, Jeb Bashaw. Good morning on this Monday after Christmas. The Christmas season is in full swing. As you know, Christmas doesn't actually begin until Christmas Day and goes for 12 days until the arrival of the Magi, the day before the Epiphany. Obviously, if Christ had been born in Washington, D.C., there would never have been an Epiphany because there are not three wise men anywhere to be found in the capital. Seriously, Merry Christmas to each of you and your families. Hope you had a safe and blessed holiday. And my wish for you is that each of us can carry that love and affection we showed to our family and friends throughout the entire new year. Needless to say, 2021 was a challenge. COVID-1, COVID-2, COVID-3, energy prices, Omicron, food prices. Sadly, those most impacted are those on the margin in our communities, those families that struggle day-to-day to put food on the table, care for their families, and find work. I hope that you will keep them in your prayers, and if possible, perhaps give a little something extra to your favorite charity, whether or not it's Salvation Army, St. Vincent de Paul, your local food bank, or your church. It's amazing what a difference a smile can make. My beautiful wife, Laurel, has been working on the Salvation Army luncheon coming up this spring. And before Christmas, she was heading out of the house dressed like an elf, and I asked, where are you going? She replied with a smile that could light up the world. I'm going to ring the Salvation Army bell at Kroger. Laurel had arranged to take a shift to help raise money for the disadvantaged. Later that day, I asked how it had gone. She again flashed that award-winning smile and said, Great. In fact, she added, one lady wrote a check for $500. Wow. Just wow. What if we each carried that level of enthusiasm into everything we do? Our work, our time with families, our prayer life, and of course, helping others. Don't you think we can move the needle just a little bit? I do, because I've seen it happen. Over the Christmas weekend, we got caught up on everything, including our favorite show, Yellowstone. I think we all know the character we want to be. I seem to vacillate between Rip and John Dutton. While both are flawed characters, both are creatures of their upbringing and life circumstances. Frankly, they're like most of us. Beth, the daughter, on the other hand, is a character created entirely in Hollywood. My wife loves Beth's spunkiness. Frankly, Beth scares the heck out of me. But in the most recent episode of Family Strife, Rip, Beth's husband, calls her out on her level of adding vitriol to family dinners. Later in a quiet moment, after things have settled down, he says in a low whisper, You know, honey, life is plenty hard. You need to help it. You hear me? And Beth looks at him and says, You saying I make life harder? And Rip smiles and says, Every day. I'm sure that we all had our level of vitriol at some point during the Christmas holidays, a hurt feeling or something, but perhaps we all have someone like that in our life. For me, I'm grateful for all the people in my life, especially my wife, Laurel. She's my best friend and soulmate. She reminds me that life can be hard, and I shouldn't add to it. In Ignatian spirituality, we profess AMDG, and it's Latin for Ad Maiorum De Gloriam, which means all for the greater glory of God. A simple phrase, but one that keeps our eye on the prize, and that's my goal for 2022. As each of you know who are regular listeners, I read the obituaries religiously. As I've said, for no other reason than my mom did. It's a habit. And of course, the older I get, the more interesting they become. And of course, as I've said before, I have this recurring thought that I'm dead and I don't know it until I read my own obituary. 
And as I said, the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. Well, this week, one of the angels among us got his wings. This weekend, I read an obituary that gave me pause. It was a very special person in my life that I speak about affectionately, but had not had time to catch up with in many years. My first baseball coach, Aloysius Wadaki, or as his family called him, Ali. Coach Wadaki came into my life shortly after the death of my father in the spring of 1970. Back then, we had a draft, so he drafted me for his team. In fact, he drafted me for the next consecutive six years. For those of you that know how Little League works, this is kind of important. In Little League, all the coaches choose their own son in the third round. That's your automatic third-round pick. They choose who they believe to be their best player in the first round. And for those of you who know Little League, usually the dads are living vicariously through their sons. It's their chance to relive their own youth baseball experience and, quote, get it right. So when a coach chooses you, in theory, he's doing it to pick the best player. Now, in fairness, I can tell you at age seven, I'm not sure what he saw in me. And by age 12, I may have been the devil he knew. But I do remember every year after tryouts, waiting on Sunday night for the call from the manager or the coach. Tryouts were on Saturday, and the draft must have been shortly after that, and all the kids got called on Sunday night. I can still hear his drawl. Jeb, this is Coach Wadoski. I wanted you to know I drafted you this year for the Mets, and our first tryout is Tuesday. Literally, he drafted me every year. As I've discussed after the death of my father, I've always searched to surround myself or be in the presence of men who I thought could teach me something about life, about business, sports, baseball, whatever. And Coach Wadaki was one of those first people to fill that hole in my life. Paul Harvey says, I want to tell you the rest of the story. Coach Wadaki took a special interest in all of us. He didn't treat his son as a prima donna. In fact, I probably got some of my coaching skills from him. I was always tougher on my own kids because I didn't want the other parents to think my children were getting preferential treatment. His son was named Thomas, and he was on my team for six years as well. I never remember Thomas getting special treatment. In fact, Thomas was lucky to get to play the infield. I was the lucky one. I got to play shortstop and pitch. Coach worked with me for hours. I always remember him saying, Bring the ball from behind your ear and fire it at the glove. He'd repeat it again. Bring the ball from behind your ear and fire it at the glove. I remember thinking, why do I have to bring it from behind my ear? Later, like a lot of things in life, he was teaching me to have a repeatable motion. The less you have to think about something, the more automatic it becomes. That's the way life is. It frees up your mind to work on other things, more important things. Think about things you do every day. When you walk, you put one foot in front of the other. Simple. You don't consciously walk down the street mumbling, man, I got to put one foot in front of the other. And when you drive a car and make a turn, you turn on the blinker. You don't think to yourself, I need to remember to turn on the blinker. You just do it. So I was one of the lucky ones. Back then, they limited you to six innings per week of pitching. So I always got to pitch the first three innings of every game. Unless I got shelled, and then he'd pull me. The rest of the time was at shortstop. Again, I can still remember him yelling, get two, get two, touch the base and throw to first. We must have practiced that a thousand times. Again, it was a life lesson. And anyone that knows baseball knows you're going to have runners. And the best way to stop them from scoring, in fact, the only way, is to get them out early and often. And the best place to do that was before they got in scoring position.
Coach knew something else about me, and that was that I hated to bat. In my first game of live pitch baseball, I got hit in the face with a baseball. It wasn't on purpose. It was just that no one had ever told me to get out of the way. So with blood pouring down my face, this was the first time I ever heard the term rub some dirt on it. Frankly, that sounded even less appealing than batting. So for the next six years, Coach worked to get me to be a better batter. Even as a little boy of eight, he would wrap his arms around me and hold the bat and help me swing. When I close my eyes, I can still smell him to this day. Coach always wore his work uniform, a work shirt with his name on it, his blue dicky pants, and his black shoes to practice. He would literally come straight from work. I was always on the impression that he laid carpet for a living. Not until I read his obit did I realize he was a carpenter. How appropriate that a carpenter who made such an impression on me would die the week of Christmas. You see, Coach wasn't wearing a uniform and a helmet like I was. He was standing beside me with his arms around me to let me know he wasn't going to let me get hit again with that baseball. He would either pull me away or stop the ball with his bare hand. He was my protector. I think he spent the entire six years while I was batting yelling, Stop stepping out of the batter's box. Believe me, when the pitcher went into the windup, my first step was away from wherever that ball was coming from. I hated batting. The second thing I hated was being a catcher. I don't care how much protective equipment they gave us. It looked like a really bad place to be. Way too much action. Some kid you barely know throwing a baseball at you, another kid with a bat, and you're the last guy in the line. And wearing a cup didn't even add any extra level of security. In fact, it highlighted in my mind what one place I really didn't want the ball to go. Sometimes I would leave my cup at home so I didn't have to catch. I would just say, sorry, coach. One time he actually yelled, does anyone have an extra cup? I mean, how embarrassing and frankly gross. Okay, for those of you that don't know what a cup is, it's a piece of plastic. It's called an athletic supporter tucked into your jock strap to make sure that when you get older, you can still have children. It's a protective device. It's not particularly comfortable, and they do not come in different sizes. As I said, the rest of the story is that when my son played Little League, I was his coach, and he loved to catch. How funny that we'd be so alike in so many ways and yet so different. And my son Travis was great at catching. He loved everything about it. So Coach Wadaki pushed me to do things I didn't really want to do. He created an environment where I could overcome my fears and he gave me the chance to be a success, and for that, I will never forget him. Under Coach Wadaki, I made the All-Star team six years in a row and was voted the most valuable player in the league in 1971. I was given what was known as the Vic Driscoll Award. Interestingly, the award was named for a Bel Air resident who had died in Vietnam. I got a trophy and a green pennant, and it was on my wall in our little house on Bird Street for years to come. But again, here's the rest of the story. And I didn't know any of this until I read his obituary. Coach Wadaki wasn't a former baseball player reliving his youth. He was just a dad that wanted to help. He was born in Bremen, Texas, just north of Bryan College Station. Bremen was and is a small farming community, and he was a farmer. At the age of 20, he and his best friend, who was also his cousin, joined the Marine Corps to serve their country in 1951. Coach Wadaki was trained as a sniper due to hunting skills he'd learned on his farm. He was awarded the Purple Heart for his service in Korea on the front, 
when he suffered 60, that's right, 60 missile shell fragments to his right arm and his legs. He was initially treated in Japan and then transferred by ship to California where they removed the rest of the fragments. I literally teared up when I read this because I never knew. That's not the way that generation discussed their service. And how remarkable that a man from Bremen, Texas, would sign up to serve his country and be nearly mortally wounded in a country halfway around the world on his throwing arm and come back to teach a little boy in Bel Air how to throw a baseball. What a miraculous and wonderful story. As an aside, he told his family his favorite memory was being on the ship to California for additional treatment and being greeted by and spending time with the famous actress Marilyn Monroe. Funny how that generation never lamented their losses, but celebrated the most fun times. My mom and dad were that way too. As his family called him Ollie, he came back and became a master carpenter. He was married for many years to the love of his life and then sadly took care of her when she had end-stage renal failure. He was always giving. Never to be relegated to the past, Coach took up gardening and often picked vegetables from his own garden for salad. Later, when he became interested in monarch butterflies, a subject that was near and dear to my heart, he planted goat weeds so they would have a place to lay eggs and to flourish in his backyard. Coach Wadakia survived by his five children and 13 grandchildren. What a wonderful life. In the online tributes, they showed pictures of his life. One of my favorite songs is You Should Have Seen It in Color by Jamie Johnson. And that tune kept going through my head as I saw the life and times of this remarkable man and his family. Pictures of Coach Wadaki in his Marine dress uniform. Pictures of Coach on his wedding day with his beautiful bride and later surrounded by family and friends over his remarkable, and in my mind, too short 90-year life. I will miss Coach. I wish I would have taken time to go by and see him one more time to let him know what he meant to me. Is there somebody like that in your life, a family friend, a pastor, a priest, a rabbi, a school teacher, or a coach? With 2022 just around the corner, I'd like to challenge each of you to reach out in spoken word or written word to that person in your life. If 2021 has taught us anything, it's that life is short and we never know when we're going to hear a bell and get our angel's wings. So take time during the holiday season to reach out to that special person. We live in a digital world where everyone is staring at a screen. Let's change that one person at a time. Pick up the phone or a pen and let that special person know what they meant to you. If you think you can't find the words, try. I promise you they will flow like a river. In fact, I'm sure the special person in your life will help lead the way, just like Coach protected me from that horrible batting experience all those years ago. As this is my last podcast of 2021, I want to take a moment to thank each of you for your continued support and kind comments. If you enjoy a Texans view of the world, I hope you will share with your friends. As you know, we're available on Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, and iTunes. As I always end each podcast, please remember that yesterday is history, tomorrow's a mystery, and today is a gift from God, which is why we call it the present. I hope all of your days in 2022 are a present from God and that you enjoy each of them and that you take time to spend a little time with that special person in your life. May God bless you and your families during this holy season. 
I'm Jeb Bashaw, and this is my podcast, A Texan's View of the World.